right. Everybody, this is Walleye Talk. I'm Dan. I'm Will. Um, happy walleye season in the Northwoods. It's Fishmas up here in Minnesota. Yep. Worked out. It's funny, like, you know, we recorded that the last episode, episode the opener episode, the Sunday before. And the forecast just got, like, crummier and crummier and crummier. Just straight downhill. It didn't, it, lo- it looked really nice. Like, I thought, you know, looking at the weather and stuff, the Shiner prediction looked good. The water was going to be warmer. And that just never happened. Yeah. I do think our track record, though, if we, if you looked back at our past episodes, if we're bad at anything with these episodes, it's like forecasting the weather. <laughs> we're not very good at that. Well, it's a good thing that's not our profession as weather forecaster. <laughs> I'm sure um, there's lots of times we, we record on a Tuesday. People listen to it probably on their, the Friday on the drive up. And, uh, we're, you know, they hear us talking like, it's looking like it's going to be a beautiful weekend. And they get up and they're like, what are these guys talking about? Oh, who is that? Oh, my God. Who is that? Is that baby G-Man and Bree? Oh, man. That's hey, a- happy Mother's Day, Bree. Thank you. You're we welcome. For Mother's Day. Good. So did Graham. Was- Graham's been eating walleye. Graham likes walleye. Is he a number one fan? <laughs> All right, what are we doing this week? Well, we're going to talk about, we finally get to do a week in review, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go a little in depth on what we learned about it. Um, we've got a couple listener questions. Um, we're maybe going to touch on the moment guiding clicked for us, like the moment we realized, Hey, this could kind of pan out for us. Um, your most clever technique that you figured out situationally. Um, would you rather it's your turn to ask me, would you rather? And then the weekend preview and then we're out of here. Sounds good. Sounds like a good one. Then we'll go fishing. Maybe. I think, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go wader fishing out on a lake by my house and see what happens. Hmm. Interesting. What, what um, yeah. fishing? What's that? Why wader fishing? Because I've never done it. Mm. And plus, you know, I don't want to really, I don't want to dirty up that port dock you know? <laughs> so, you know, I'll try that for a little while. And if that doesn't work out, you know, if my feet are clean, of course. Uh, I'll go on the port dock. Then I'm going to go try the wader fishing if, you know, worst comes to worst. Sounds good. We should have... It might pan out. What's that? It might pan out. We should, uh, we should hear from port dock before you go any further. Having fun in the sun on the lake all day long. Porta-dock.com. Porta-dock.com. Find your local Portadoc dealer today. Porta-doc.com. If you guys are interested in ordering a t-shirt, there they are on Dan's. What does it say on there, Dan? It says, while I talk with Will and Dan, the best fishing podcast you've never heard of. Unbelievable. What a tagline. Yeah. It's got our ugly mugs on it. One thing we got to keep in mind is that our best pitch is just an absolutely shameless pitch whether we're selling t-shirts or our advertisers it's just kind of shameless and we can feel good about it because we actually like the people who advertise on the podcast my parents oh, yeah. afford a doc they oh yeah just had a brand new one put in and like eight minutes after it was in my aunt was over there and she was just smashing big bluegills off it they're fish catchers man you're joking me no yeah, so are Portadocs are Portadocs the warrior boats of the dock industry? I think so. Yeah. And I think Where would a guy pick one of them up from? You could uh, you could look at the Muskie House Marine in Longville, Minnesota. They're just they deal with premier pontoons, Portadoc and warrior boats. All of You know, them. if you're asking me, that's just a recipe for whaling on them. Dude, if you like if I'm 
imagine how much fun you could have in that store, right? So you had a, a blank check. You just walked into Tony and you're like, here's what I want. I want a 2090. I want a 208. I want a premier pontoon and all the docking that I need to get all of those on one system. But do not cash that check till Monday. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, let's um, well, Dan, tell me, how was your week? Week was pretty good. Um, opener was like the perfect tempo opener for me. I, you know, they, it, they weren't game busters by any means. I was describing it to somebody. It was fishing was just good enough that every cast you thought you were going to get a bite. Uh, but, but it also wasn't, wasn't happening every cast, you know, you had to, right. you had to work for them. Um, I felt like, well, on Friday evening, we did a little bit of scouting, you know, and I drove a brake line that we'd fished in the past, uh, on opener. And it was, there was just a pile of fish there. And then I drove another random brake line and there were a pile of fish there. And, uh, throughout the weekend, we did a lot of driving and those two schools of fish are where we caught 90% of our fish. So really was, just those, a uh, random brake line. And then your tried and true spot. Yep. Yep. Only two real concentrations of fish we found. We'd see, you know, some odd ducks here or there, but, uh, just a couple schools and luckily they stayed put and then they were cooperative enough to make it a pretty fun opener. Cast Lake has a bunch of big perch in it too, right now. So you catch, uh, and they're mixed right in with the walleyes right now. So good for fish fry for sure. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Sunday was a lot, a lot tougher for us. We were maybe not quite as driven Sunday morning either, but uh, fishing was considerably slower. Did you fish through all that snow too? You know, it's funny because I was looking at pictures from the Longville area and people had snow on the ground and stuff around here. And Cass Lake, we had a few snowflakes between like 11 and 12 o'clock on opener. Never stuck to the ground. It was done after that hour. And then the weather actually got pretty nice after the snow. So it was, it was like a blizzard here in town. It, it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just know what's coming when the last week in April is so nice. If you get a real <laughs> nice last week in April, you're going to pay for it on opener. Right. Well, we talked about this too. Like the second weekend's always gorgeous mm-hmm. and opening weekend. It just wants to poop all over you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's been calm for too long. Let's blow 25. You know what? That's, that's just not enough. You know what? What would be worse than rain? Snow. <laughs> Let's blow in snow. Uh, and then nothing out of the norm. We, most of our fish came out of jigging a minnow. Um, wasn't a jigging a shiner thing at, at all. It, more, it had more to do with minnow size. Um, and they wanted sort of a small minnow. Um, so we were either sorting through the rainbows or fishing some of the bigger fat heads. And that seemed to be best for, for my boat, at least. Did you guys, did you guys do much with plastics? I fish plastics a lot. I only caught, I think four fish on them though. Um, so it wasn't, that wasn't the cure all either, but caught some on plastics, caught some on that arrowhead tackle jig that I showed last week. Um, nice. And then didn't get one on the hair. I fished I thought the hair was going to work, but it might just be a little too cold for that. Yeah. yeah. How are you? Um, Saturday, Mark ended up not being able to fish with me. So I fished with my old man and we did decided not to go to leech. We went to a little lake. Uh, I still only fished plastics, but there were minnows in my boat. Mm. That just shows you I'm not one for self-control. But that shows how much confidence I had in those plastics. Um, I ended up catching, I think, nine on plastics. My dad, by the way, my dad just waxed me. Uh, I think we ended up with about 30. I think I caught eight or nine. Um, but our, we had the equal amount of fish in the box. Gotcha. So that pushes my average size way up. So, so you, you caught 30 you kept eight or nine, but you were sorting through littles or you were throwing back? Littles, babies, littles, like nine, 10 inchers. Okay. Where those minnows would catch those, but those plastics, 
you know, you just kept fishing it, um, which was pretty cool. And the, the cadence of that jig with that plastic, actually, it, it was kind of interesting. So once it hit, like on the fall is when they'd bite it. So you'd pop it, you'd hold it. And that on the fall, you'd feel like almost like somebody would flick your line. And that was it. It was game on. And, you know, half the time that jig, even on, on some of those smaller fish would be like eight feet down in their guts. <laughs> it was crazy. They just choke on it. Well, it was, uh, would you describe that as the same, the same feeling. It sounds like you're describing the same feeling as when, uh, they, they bite a jig wrap or they catch yep. a jig It absolutely is. A little tick in your line. Right. It's, it's really similar to that. Um, it, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say it's the next best thing, but it's my, definitely my new project. I'm going to try really hard to get very good at it. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, the bite on it. it. And the big thing is you, if you don't break off, um, you end, you, I mean, if you get bit, you catch them. And yeah. that's the big thing is you don't miss a ton of fish. Sure. Um, and if you are missing them, they're probably littles. You know, right. Did you experienced that at all with all those littles around where you were getting nipped at? Not, I mean, I lost a few tails. I lost, you know, I'd have, I'd have my, the rubber would be, you know, pulled halfway down a couple of times, but nothing I'd say like, wow, I can't believe I'm missing so many fish. Sure. Yeah. It happened maybe a couple times over the course of the evening. Um, and it's not, if it was a big fish, it would have ate it. Like I, I was, I'm certainly that confident that if it was a fish I wanted to catch, it would have eaten. Right. And I would have caught it. Sure. Um, that was a ton of fun. Day two was really tough. We had a strong, strong north wind. It was cold. Uh, I could see fish on my sonar. Couldn't really get them to eat. Um, I, I mean, it was it was really a tough day. The, the few we did catch, I'd like hover them in 12, 14 feet of water. And then I could get them to eat after, you know, quite a while. Um, and then Dan, I got an opportunity to fish out of your warrior. Yeah. That was, a, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. Yeah. It was a good, it was the first tough or first wavy boat ride in the boat. Uh, Saturday and Sunday were both fairly calm and Cass is pretty small um, com compared comparatively so i hadn't really like bumped the boat very much so yeah nice to get it on the big water and um i'm happy i tell you what the one thing about that we went we were going almost 50 miles an hour mm -hmm. in the waves and it was one of the most comfortable rides i've ever been in yeah it's comfy it's safe you know it, you don't feel like you're rattling around so much not that I'm going to drive at 50 all that much, but it's nice to know you can without having everything come loose in the thing and having people getting bumped out of their seats and stuff. It was, it was very impressive. So um, good job, Warrior. Good job, you. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'd say um, the, general, the general trend was most people who fit each, I think, did end up figuring them out eventually. I know there were, there were some slow reports, but... Uh, folks who stuck with it ended up either finding the right at the right time or finding a technique that worked i know some of the folks on the east side were rigging leeches already that's what was catching most of their fish and yep. just hearing from a couple other guides in the area if you were fishing and digging a minnow you had to be a lot slower than you wanted to. and that's painful sometimes oh it's for sure on opener you know when you think you're getting you've been excited about it for so long it's hard to get yourself to slow down and and when sometimes they they want an aggressive jig stroke they want the boat going a mile an hour uh on opener you've got good memories probably some of your best memories are those scenarios you know where they're they they want things aggressive uh but i think we were just a little too cold and i had a water temple like those two days were were chilly days in the right so yeah, I think yeah, yeah, if it's gonna snow, it's probably means it's gonna be pretty chilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so did you what did you learn from this weekend? 
Oh. Get out of here, dogs. Get. Kind of that, that I like the tradition part of opener a little bit. Uh, you know, in years past, I've had uh, sort of the attitude to try something new, get out of the comfort zone. But this year I was real happy just like settling right in there. You know, obviously you want to make sure there's fish around and you've got a good fishing opportunity, but uh, I was pretty happy with just sticking with the tried and true for this one and, and embracing the traditional, the tradition part of it, you know. So, and you ended up doing the same thing. I mean, you ended up on the same lake you've opened up on for. Well, that's four or five years. And it was, it was everything I expected. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, last year I made a, I, I mentioned, you know, throwing the anchor and we did a lot of the same things we would have done, you know, by throwing the anchor, but it was calm enough where we could just sit still for yeah. long enough to cover the area. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, I don't want to say, Hey, yeah, you're right. But I think in that situation, I was pretty correct. Um, and the th the plastics is a very important tool that I, I'm going to I'm going to learn even better. But it, I tell you what, those paddle tails are fish catchers. Yeah. And getting good with them is going to be very important in the future. Right. Um, and you can either get good at it now, or you could be poor at it later. Right. I also so, think the the diversity of of uh, of presentations that you can do with the same bait, you know, like your little, your little tweak to your cadence was probably perfect for cold water fish, especially, you know, um, right. Like I think you're taking a bait that you can fish pretty aggressively. You can fish pretty quick, but then you can also get pretty good action out of them uh, at a slower pace, which is, is probably what, especially the bigger fish wanted on that cold weekend. You know, they wanted a big meal. You're fishing a four inch battle tail, I assume, right? Yep, three and four. Three and four, and but but fishing it at a at a slower speed and yeah, you, you do a lot with them. Yeah, and one thing in the shallow water too, especially if you're fishing caragrass, is it allows you to fish above it where you can't just swim a shiner or a fathead through that because it it sinks so much faster. Um, you can it the plastic allows you to slow things down. Um, and I'm very excited to see what happens this week with the water going to warm up, um, and the minnow's going to push shallow, what it's going to do if I'm going to have to try and make those fish react, or if I can continue to do the same cadence with the one foot lift in the hold and they still eat it. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of different ways to, to move those, those baits and still get them to bite. But it, I, it's like a magic trick. Like, hey, the walleye's like, hey, you wanna you wanna see this jig disappear? <laughs> Chomp. <laughs> the jig's just missing. And you absolutely whooped on me on that would have been Monday with them. It was it was embarrassing. If you, the Rick, it reminded me of Ricky Bobby. Remember <laughs> remember the story of Ricky Bobby when he has this like horrific thing happen to him, and then. Uh, his son, his son has some really good advice for him on, on getting back, getting, getting some things back and getting after. That's how I felt after that, that evening. That's just, I was just recuperating a few of my losses from previous endeavors. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember, you know, you want, how far back do you want to take this, Dan? Uh, I can mention a lot of different times where I've got my butt whooped by you. So this is just, uh. This is just me getting a little bit of revenge. Right. Like you said, enjoy your night, Sonny Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was, there's something to be said, Dan. You can, you can mock it all you want. There's something to be said about that June bug jig on a spring <laughs> evening. Did you see that sucker? I, did. I sure didn't. It was so deep in their throats. Oh my gosh. It was just choke. Uh, I, the worst turn of the night is when you, I could tell you were starting to feel bad for me. Like that's, that's, I never felt bad for you. And you did. You were like, there's a big difference about feeling good for me and bad for you. No, because near the end, you're like, what do you want to do here, Dan? Do you want to give it one more drift? And it was obviously like the end of the night. 
And then you caught another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I caught another two. No, I caught one more. But it was wild, dude. Like, we were, what were we in, five feet of water? Yeah. And I remember I had, like, two casts in a row where I pitched that plastic in, and we had a crosswind, and I closed the bale because I would, you know, casting in a crosswind will develop a bow. So I stopped that jig, you know, I stopped the line from going out, and it would straighten out that line. And I had, like, two casts in a row where as soon as it hit the hit the water i'd wind my slack down and boom i'm on right um i don't know if that had more to do with jig placement or just the profile of the bait but that was super cool and that was in like two or three feet of water right well you know that jig landed especially that that shadow it landing is probably a pretty big disturbance you know it catches their attention if they're within 10 feet of where that jig landed and they see that 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 uh disruption that's maybe what why you get those bites real quick, real shallow like that. That or you landed right on their head. One of the two. Can you hear me? You're frozen. Oh, I hate this virus. Where were we? Where were we talking about? Um... I don't remember. We were talking about, oh, I, I know one thing I wanted to talk about. Um, one, another thing I learned about plastic or about from this weekend is the variety of plastics. So more than just Kitech Easy Shine, there's more than just Kitech Easy Shiners. Out there right. As right. far as paddle tails. I haven't, I haven't done any exploration with um, fork tails or with drop shot plastics. But just in the difference of paddle tails, I caught a fish. I caught fish on Berkeley Ripple Shads, Kitech Easy Shiners, Impulse uh, Paddle Minnows. But I, I didn't catch any on the Kitech uh, Fat Swimmer. But I think I will once the water gets warm. Yeah, that's so. The, that's the like they're like the model that the, the there's like ribbing throughout the body. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I think so. I, I know a guy who's got a lot of confidence in that. He's a river fisherman, which has kind of bit me in the past as far as plastics go. I don't know that all of their what works on the river doesn't always equate to working so well on our lakes. But the the moxie is the prime example. Right. There, I didn't catch a fish on a moxie. I tried a moxie. I never caught a fish on a moxie. Yeah. I, I do know a guy, he fishes the west side of Leech who does pretty well on the same plastics, on, on bee fish and stuff um on on the west side so it, it might also be a something specific to that plastic maybe there's a little bit more of a learning curve as to how to fish them you know right which is one thing i i uh i really liked about um kitex especially is not only did it not take long for me to learn how to fish them correctly but i thought it was something i was going to be able to do with clients and that they would pick it up just as quickly as they pick up rigging or it jigging, you know and you proved that that one day uh, with the father and two sons on Wabado. Yep. Yeah. Where everybody was, everybody was catching them on them. Right. Yeah. Good thing to add to the arsenal. Spend yeah, a little bit of stimulus check on some plastics at the one stop or full stringer. Darn right. Darn right. <laughs> um, well, I suppose before we dive into the uh, listener questions, we should take a scheduled break. <laughs> sounds good <laughs> walleye talk is presented by ranger nets ranger proudly boasts a wide variety of panfish walleye and musky nets from nylon to rubber coated and rubber netting it has something for everybody at the right price range and the high quality that everyone expects from a net so let's continue on. We have a couple listener questions. Um, and I believe you dealt with both of them. So why don't you go ahead and ask them? All right. We had one gentleman, and this was actually a question from our 2019 season, but he left a comment on a YouTube video, uh, which I don't always see. So he was uh, he's a Minnesota guy, moved to Colorado. He said he liked the podcast because he likes to hear our ac- He said he likes to hear the accents from the home country. <laughs> you have an accent. <laughs> and uh, – 
he was just asking for some tips on fishing from shore or fishing from a non-motorized uh, boat, you know, so a canoe or a kayak or something. And I think I'm by no means an expert, but in our neck of the woods, at least, and I think it's transferable to a lot of different places, is they're not all created equal. You know, you can't just find a dock on a good walleye lake and, and feel good about catching fish. Uh, the biggest variable up here when I think about where you can fish from shore is finding deep enough water to make it worth your time, at least for um, anything besides right at dark. You know, there are some real good uh, lakes that have accesses that have a hundred yards of four foot of water before right. it breaks. And just because it's a great lake, you're just, you, you're going to have to get awfully lucky to have them way up in there. You know, not to say that, that on that lake, they don't use three or four feet, but they're probably not using the first uh, three or four feet uh, depth when they've got a hundred yard flat uh, before it breaks. So uh, look, you know, looking at Navionics, looking at lake maps online and trying to line up some proximity to, uh, to deeper water. And my suggestion was going to be, to make sure you're fishing your peak hours or after dark. Yeah. Um, I remember in school on Lake Bemidji, people would wader fish out on Diamond Point on Lake Bemidji uh, and pitch out after dark and they'd whale on them after dark from, you know, from the water. Right. Uh, you know, that would be my biggest suggestion using something that you can get out there um, and use the time frame to your advantage. When are they going to be there the most often? They're not going to be there at high noon on July 6th, but they might be there on September 30th at 9 p.m. Right, right. And So use time to your advantage. Don't go out there and blow off steam. Go out there when you're actually going to whale on them. The guys who who do real wall shore fishing too are usually in a pair of waders, and they're usually fishing after dark. And the ones who get really into it, they put up big numbers of big walleyes usually. Huge walleyes. In that scenario. And they're often casting artificials. You know, you're probably not wanting to rebait a jig. You don't want to drag a bait bucket out there with you. Um, casting stick baits and stuff. And man, I admired those guys who did who do that well because it's. Uh, Dude, I applaud those guys because they're catch and release. They're going to go through all of that effort just to set the hook. Right. On one of the best eaten fish in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After dark, I think would be key. Um, and then this is probably a place where local knowledge would be, would be real helpful. And Huge. a bait shop is probably going to be forthcoming with that information, especially up here. Cause you're for the most part, they're catering to anglers and boats. Um, but that is, that is local knowledge for sure. Um, and uh, Oh, the, we, I think you got me onto this. Well, you got me onto the meat eater, uh, that podcast and they're sponsored by onyx hunts that's an app for your phone and that thing is gold man for for hunting and for and for fishing honestly if you're looking for for places to access public water there's especially in our neck of the woods i use price fishing all the time right right places to get on uh legally um that's a that's a great tool um and i think you get a one week free trial so you can at least scope it out i've got 37 different emails for it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's a great that's a great point um what was the other one um come on you're the one who brought this one up uh it was with it was uh pitching versus drifting pitching versus drifting uh, we're definitely going to be in the heart of jig and a minnow season uh, coming up here. I mean, we are already. Um, and a customer, or a, a listener asked, uh, when do you decide to pitch and when do you decide to drift? And uh, it was, I wrote him, I wrote him an email because it, I don't think we'll cover all of it in this one episode. I do think we've addressed it a couple other times. Um, but I think it starts with your idea of how spread out the fish are. Um, mm-hmm. so one one may one way to maybe start the discussion would be battle point on on the east side of leech big big chunk of water that a lot of it is fishy on uh on any given day but the fish holding five percent of it right and it's super rocky so i don't have any um 
any confidence in trying to graph it and know that there's fish in in any stretch because it I think they're hard to see. So often in order to, to narrow down either the depth or an area, you have to start with the drift or pulling your jigs depending on the on the weather. But you got to start covering ground, right? And then trying to pay attention to the little details that are maybe giving a hint as to what the fish are doing uh whether or not it's all right we got bit in nine feet on the last two drifts so maybe nine feet is somewhat of a magic number so how can i now mend my drift so i'm covering nine feet for a longer portion instead of just going from 12 to 6 12 to 6 that might you know it could be a nine foot deal not always a depth depth deal but it could be um, and then also paying attention to where specific bites are coming from with the hope that there's a school of fish holding in that, in that area. So if you get, especially even just, if you get two drifts and two bites in, in the same area, then I would try to think of a more efficient way to cover it. And what people will, um, people will get their, their hopes too, uh, too high. So a good drift is, especially on a drift with that's only 200 yards long, where they want two or three bites in a drift. Mm-hmm. You have to settle with the one bite of drift. Cause if you do that drift quite a few times and you're getting bit once, twice, zero, once, twice, zero, that's a, that's a good stretch of water yeah. that you should really settle for. And I've been bit by it a ton where you're like, Oh, this is slow. We should go. Well, if you sit there and you do that rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, you're going to end up with a, with just an awesome day yeah that you know searching for greener pastures is going to burn you on bob landerville is the prime example for that yeah he knows when to grind and he knows when to leave yeah yeah and you know your your day how it ends up at the end you can get to 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 10 fish a lot of different ways in a in a couple hours of fishing uh you can get to 10 fish uh, in 15 minutes right at the end right or or any yep. window in there where you land on a pot of fish and that's super fun for sure but you can also get to 10 by getting a fish every 20 minutes you know uh, right and having it be slow and steady it's very hard to know when when what the right call is uh, i i would if you have the ability to hold and pitch at a spot I would at least try it, you know, sacrifice 15, 20 minutes to try that to see if it's a pretty small sacrifice for something that could pay off very large. Yeah. Right. And I think we both agree that pitching is, is a more uh, efficient way to, if, if it's going to work there, there, there's a lot of fish in a small area. So you're going to have a pretty good bite. Right. Uh, And especially if you're going to be fishing late or either early in the morning or late afternoon, where those fish are going to be concentrated, going to be in the shallower water. You're going to want to pitch out of, if you're looking at small weedy points or small rocky points, cast up there, catch them when you can. And then once they disperse, once the daylight comes, or, you know, if you're, if you wait for them, which, you know, if you talk to a lot of the, the better anglers, I mean, they're going to tell you that, you know, they don't even like Ted Takasaki. I watched, I remember watching a, I watched a, a, a TV show with him and he was talking about something, how he doesn't even own an anchor. And I, I think that that's pretty, pretty silly. Uh, Cause I use that anchor or spot lock, either one to my advantage a ton. And I've had most of my lots of fish nights afternoons come with an anchor or a, a spot lock engaged. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's where pitching really comes into play because you're dealing with high concentrations of fish in a small area, um, where drifting's not going to catch them right. as efficiently, you right. know? Yeah. And it also ha- it completely has to do with the, the body of water you're on too. Uh, certainly some of these smaller ones, um, like Wabado, I would never drift. I would never drift more than a couple hundred yards probably on Wabado. Right. I have very specific and that and I didn't I didn't uh that's just from being out there a lot you know there are very little uh areas that hold a high concentration of life on that particular lake so um nowadays I'll I'll try to expedite the process by only concentrating on the areas that I know produce fish instead of just 
doing long, long poles or long drifts. On. So when you're working, let's say you're working at that 200 yard stretch, will you stop the boat in the 20 yard section where you've done well in the past? Um, I guess I'd give, my, I'd give myself a buffer on either side. It depends a little bit on, there are a lot of like just weed, weed line stretches that on a map aren't going to stick out as to why the fish use them. They just do for, for, I'm sure they have a, a there's a yellow raft. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> they just use that. So that would be a, a, an example. I'd give myself a little bit of a buffer, but uh, it's, it's a weed edge that's produced in the past, but then on that lake, there's lots of little tiny points that produce fish. And those are very much, in my opinion, spot on the spot. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I can fish the windward side and the leeward side and the tip of it for a while. Um, but that's about it, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm in. You're in. Yeah, that was a good question. He he did a he he wrote me a follow up email saying he was specifically talking about I think Sucker Bay using side scan to find fish and then pitch at them, and that's that's what I did on opener. A cast lake is that's very important if they're going to be in shallow water to not be over the top of them. You know that's an, another area, but we didn't even hit at or hit on, but. And the, and the side scan is going to tell you a lot too. Are they, are they, are there little pods of fish scattered for, for 300 yards and you've got a nice 10 mile an hour wind? It's probably still better to drift it, right? Because you're going to be hitting those different pods at, at a different, um, at a different frequency, you know. And with 10 miles an hour of wind, you're going to have enough cover where your boat's not going to bust it. Right, right. And, and that's and, the big thing that you got to worry about when you're pitching compared to drifting is, especially in shallow water is am I going to bust these fish? Right, right. It, there's, a, there's a lot that goes to it, though. It's a catch-22. The better you get with your graphs, like yesterday I was on Woman Lake, and I was using my, my imaging to find fish off to the left or right side, and I'd see little pods of, like, I don't know, six to ten of them maybe, and then uh, I'd get a bite or two out of that. And then I'd, I was milking that area because I, I knew that pot of fish was around. But on the, on this given day, it it occurred to me that they were I wasn't going to catch every fish out of that pod. You know, I think I caught I caught two out of a pod, and then either that pod busted up, or those were the only ones that wanted to bite. You know, it was seven o'clock in the evening, so still a long time before their their feeding hour. Um, whereas that the whole break line that I found that pod of fish had fish on it. The whole break did, and I I probably would have been better off recognizing the trend 18 to 20 feet of water on this break line let's just cover some ground and and uh, get bites as we go instead of finding particular pods and trying to hover over them and that's going to change too when the water warms up yeah, um, yeah. but yeah anyway um let's i think we should move on um so we were talking in the boat a little bit of boat chat um, what your most, uh, the moment when, while you were guiding, it just clicked for you. Like, yeah, I think I'm going to be pretty successful at this. Like, I think I can do my job well. And yeah. you had a pretty story. I really appreciated. Well, the, the story I told you was my first year and one of my, my first trips, um, on woman Lake, uh, I, I just, I just had a pretty darn good day with, with these guys and it caught, it caught me by surprise. And that's something now I'm sort of used to it. So as back in those days I had, you know, that trip was on a Friday and I didn't have any trips the five days before it. So I pre-fished Woman Lake for like four or five days in a row. And so I had a pretty good idea of where, where to find some fish, but in those four or five days, I probably didn't catch more than three or four fish any one of those days you know and part of that is like all right I learned what I needed to from this spot I'm going to go look um but it it all kind of came together that one particular day and just had a, a banner day with these customers and most of our fish came afternoon in pretty tough conditions and it was uh 
not only the right school of fish, but we, we had narrowed down throughout the day, throughout the guide day, really narrowed down what was going to be working uh, or what was working best, you know? So the customers were with me for part of the, the learning curve and then it, it came together. Those guys have fished with me um, probably six times now. They fished with me again last year. Um, yeah. A little bit of luck, man. Your first season, especially, you're if you're out there enough, you're going to get lucky one of those times, and uh, that that one involved a little bit of luck. But it also made me feel like, yeah, I I I did the work behind it, and uh, it paid off. It started the whole domino effect for you. Yeah, but a couple of my early trips, though, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me talk about Farmer Bob. He's a, a, a good buddy of mine now, uh, and I fished the one-stop tournament with him. The first day I fished with him, uh, when I started guiding, I was bartending, wait, working at a restaurant, and I met him there, and he, he booked me, and I was, like, pretty nervous about it, you know? And we just smashed it, dude. We, and it was just more luck than anything. It was like a 40-fish day the first day I fished with the guy. And uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's now, he has now lived through like some me at my best and definitely me at my worst. Cause he's fishing quite a bit, you know, he's, he's... Dan, are you, are you particularly uh, talking about the one-stop tournaments? That would be uh, I can name two pretty bad experiences you've had in the fall. Well, one fall and one spring one-stop tournament. Yeah. Yep. I can't remember the fall one. Did I blank on a fall? Uh, somebody one? caught a fish on your boat and really upset you. Oh, yeah. I still finished. It wasn't like fish. it was bad fishing. It was just bad uh, environment for one to uh, be cheerful. <laughs> pretty, pretty okay day fishing that uh, neither me nor Bob had very much fun. <laughs> <laughs> you lived and you learned. <laughs> How about you? What was your, you know, you've told... I don't want to like ruin your story, but your, your Genesis as a guide started with you guiding like six of your aunts or something. Oh yeah. So I took three of my great aunts, my one of my, so before I even decided I wanted to do it, I was like, well, I, I really wanted to try and see how I do. And it was the year I fished every single day in the open water season. And it was one, it was the year that the ice didn't go out until really late and it was smash city. And I actually, I, it was June 23rd of 2013. And we absolutely lit them up. Um, you know, we kept like 13 or 14 and caught some, you know, a ton of big fish. Uh, and my great aunts, the youngest one was like six, no, it's like 69. And I had like a 69, a 75 and a 78 year old in the boat. And we freaking caught a pile of walleyes, man. And uh, that was pretty sweet. But that was like the day I was like, yeah, I really want to try and pursue this. Yeah. But I think the day it really clicked is I had, it was actually the day before uh, my first date with my wife. Um, I had a, I had a group, a father and a son, which they were, I shouldn't say like, they were these two older guys, but one was a father and one was a son. And, uh, I found these fish up super shallow and, uh, we, we caught quite a few of them and I, uh, I made the decision instead of drifting, we should go ahead. It was, it, it was actually because of this, the question from the listener that I decided that I wanted to ask you this, sure. but I decided to pitch and, you know, we were catching a few fish while we were drifting. And all of a sudden we started pitching towards these weeds and it was gangbusters. I told uh, the one guy to put a sucker bin on and I watched his rod. He was jigging his rod, you know, jigging it. And, you know, with a bigger sucker minnow, it pulls quite a bit. All of a sudden he was pulling up and boom. I was like, whoa. I was like, ah, you're going to want to wait for a bit. And we, it was like a 25 incher after he ended up catching it. But we ended up with like, I don't know, 20 fish in the boat on a end of October day that I had no business catching 25 walleyes on or something right. like that, you know? Yeah. 
it, it was really a good experience. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm, I think I can be pretty good at this. Yeah. It's funny how that, you know, now, nowadays, I feel like the good days uh, are going to, they sort of take care of themselves. Obviously you have to keep trying to, to, to stick at it and, and do it well. But now the job is trying to, it's, for me, it's always been working at, working at the, the, the rougher days, bringing the rougher days up, you know, yep. taking a pretty poor day of fishing, whether it be conditions or just the job you're doing and, and getting out of that, you know, getting yourself into a day like we, we worked at it, but this, this turned out all right. It's just a, a shift. You're trying to move the average up, you know? Right. Uh, what nothing we're good what were you gonna say tell me do you have gray in your beard it looks like your beard is gray no it's the shine from all the my sparkling personality (laughs) (laughs) um you want to move on sure so what was the most clever technique you figured out situationally Let's take, um, let's take a break while I think about it. <laughs> think of a would you rather while we're at it. Yeah, we'll do. While I Talk with Will and Dan is brought to you in part by Woman Lake Lodge. If you're still looking to book your 2020 family getaway or fishing vacation, visit womanlakelodge.com. The website gives you a great look at the resort, and they even have a page dedicated to what they are doing to make sure you stay safe during COVID-19. All right, Wilbur, it's your question, but I'm going to make you answer it. Um, ask yourself that question again. <laughs> what well, uh, your most clever technique situationally? What was your... Um, this is going to be super- great because it's, huh? it's you saying, when was I super clever? Oh, I've got a great example of that. Dude, I do. <laughs> I do. I do. All right, let's hear it. So it was my it was my first year guiding on a full day trip with you, and we found some fish in a pretty communal spot, uh, caught them right away, and then the wind died down. And mind you, this was before the technique was popular whatsoever. Um, this was actually my first experience doing it. Um, so we were fishing in some shallower sand. Uh, on a rockier shoreline, but like out deeper, there's scattered boulders, um, you know, nine, 10 feet of water. And then you get closer and then it gets turns pretty rocky. Uh, we were catching some fish there, uh, right away. And I actually had these guys from Georgia and they were really, they were really good guys. Uh, I really wish they'd come back up. It was, I think it was me, you and Bob who had trips. Yeah. Or something like that. A long time ago. What was what? Six years ago, five years ago. My first year guiding. So that was five yeah. years ago? Five years ago. Okay. Um, we had these guys. And the first day, we got blown out because some storm came in. And it was rough as a cob. And we were yep. out in the middle of the lake, yep. like seven miles out, having to try and get home. Yeah. With some guys from Georgia who, you know, 50 degrees is cold to them. <laughs> but fishing was good. Fishing yeah. was really good that day. Yeah. <laughs> That was my first triple that day. Anyway, we go on. Um, so, you know, it was a real warm day or it was, it started out pretty windy, nice South wind blown right into the shoreline and we were catching them pretty good. And, you know, like a few hours in the weather just went flat. Um, and back at that time, uh, I had never really done this, but I saw it on TV once from, a. uh, NWT tournament or something, whatever was the big tournaments back then. I saw this guy throw these jigging wraps and I happened to have one from a Christmas gift from my <laughs> uncle Pat, like way before then I had like two of them. So I threw one on and I caught one, my first cast, <laughs> we caught like eight fish in 20 minutes on that on number fives for ice fishing. And I thought that was pretty doggone clever. <laughs> like it was just sandier. It was flat. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. 
let's try this. Yeah. You know, I wasn't about to pull a Lindy rig in nine feet of water. Yeah. So we pitched these things around and we caught fish. <laughs> the first time I've ever done it. We caught, you know, like 10 fish on them. It was during the crayfish molt. And that's what got me thinking because the crayfish molt was heavy. Like the fish in my live over puking up crayfish. I was like, well, I got a bright orange one. Well, let me give it a shot. And that was, that was my, that was my first experience with jig wraps. That was, it was a ton of fun. That was my most clever way out of it. And before like anybody was doing it. Right. Right. At least that it, was in our community, nobody was really, I mean, I think, well, yeah, it was at the start of like Northern Minnesota. That's when guys were starting to do it. Like I, I remember the MWC on Cast Lake, the first one I fished, there were guys doing it, but not now everybody's doing it. Right. Right. That's funny. That was, I, that was, I thought that was clever. For sure. I swear to God, my story, I, I didn't have a great one, but my, the, what, what I was going to say is last year, you know, uh, we fish and talk about jig wraps a lot. Last year was a lackluster year for them, actually. It wasn't a, it, you didn't always feel clever with them. Um, but I had one year or one trip last year were number fives. I, I, I don't fish number fives at all, but uh, the same school fish had been eating everything before. They were eating jig wraps, they were eating, uh, well, I was pitching bobbers at them, I was rigging leeches at them. I was rigging crawlers and then I was stuck in a, what was looking like it was going to be a tough morning. And we, uh, we ended up catching them all in the last hour and a half on number fives, which I never fish. We just downsized a little bit. And for, for whatever reason, that was, that was the cure for the day. And I, I don't even have a really? good, good answer for why. Um, but it also made me, was add, that on one of the littles? That was on leech. Yep. Right at the end, you know, right. I, the mayflies have been out for a while, but when I usually predict that I'm going to start to struggle, might've been my last trip on leech for the, the first half of the season. You know, I tend to yep. take a, a bit of a break from that in the, uh, in July, essentially. And, uh, that, it might've been my last good one out there. And it was, we solved it with number fives, which is pretty fun. And both guys in my boat are pretty good fishermen. They, they fish out of Pikedale a lot. And uh, they had never, never caught a fish on a jig wrap. So um, at least from the outside, it, it appeared that I was clever. <laughs> well, you know what's going to make a big difference today? Two centimeters. <laughs> We're going to go from, from seven to five. <laughs> Wiener joke. Wiener joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make a real one, but that works. <laughs> okay. Well, the last thing before the weekend preview is would you rather? And I gave you a would you rather last week, so it's on you to give me a would you rather. All right. So in this fictional scenario, you're uh you you're a full-time guide, but you're going to do 150 trips in this season and you're going to do 150 musky trips or 150 bass trips. Which would you prefer and why? Yuck! <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, boy, there's a, there's a ton of disadvantage to both. It's only um, one year or two. After this season, you're back to you're back to guiding as you see fit. But this year, you're you're going to do a bunch of one of those two. Okay, so recreational mass musky fishing is pretty fun, but I would say recreational bass fishing is also pretty fun. Um, but to say yes, I want you to go catch some brown and green fish. Uh, I don't think that sounds that fun professionally. Um, unless you can get by with only using frogs and you'll never get by with only using frogs. <laughs> and musky fishing, I feel like you'd hurt yourself if you fish musky hard <laughs> for 150 days a year. And I'm way too fat and out of shape to do that. That or you get addicted to like four energy drinks a day. Boy, that's a tough one. 
We're gonna need we're gonna need an answer here. I think I would I think the cop out would go would be let's fish bass 150 days a year, right? Because that's gonna be the easier choice. You're gonna have tons of big fish days. Um, people are gonna be super happy. But I think I would still go with the musky trips because of the satisfaction. And to be a quote unquote good musky fisherman, you don't have to catch all that many muskies, <laughs> right? If I catch 20 muskies over the course of, you know, well, I guess it'd probably be more like 40 or 50 muskies over the course of the season. That's one every three days. You'd have to catch more than that, probably 50 muskies in your boat, which I don't see that if you're fishing every single day, morning, evening, that really doesn't seem like that many because you're going to have days in August and September where you're going to catch five. Right. Right. So the average is going to balance out. I would go with muskies. Plus I really enjoy that too. Uh, And I think as a guide, you could really get yourself to be like a situational fisherman too. Like, okay, I'm just going to like look around here and then cast around and, you know, hook up. I think, I think you could build yourself in some rests. Yeah, that's it. Musky fisherman. Final answer. Nice. I liked you. We got to really take a deep look into what's going on inside of your head, which is. Dude, frogging's really fun, but you can't <laughs> do it all the time. Frogging's super fun. Interesting, interesting choice. I, I thought I thought you were going to arrive at the other answer. Well, you know, I could I rig giant minnows for smallmouth <laughs> and still be considered a bass fisherman? I don't know. <sighs> I think that's frowned upon upon uh, uh, amongst the smallmouth community. Right. Your answer is locked in, but think about if you did bass fish for 150 years. When or 150 days, when you <laughs> when you go back into your walleye season, how much bass fishing is going to be taking place? You know, like there's a lot more overlap between presentations. You know, right? But you're right about fishing the fish in the moment. You might uh, you might learn how to do that better, guiding muskies. All right. Both both of them, if you guided that much for either one of them, you would meet some crazy customers, man. You'd be a freak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was a good that was a good question. Thank you, Dan. hmm Weekend preview. You go first. Uh weather is actually gonna warm up a bunch after today. Fish are gonna be super shallow gonna fish leech as much as i can gonna fish the sand um jig and plastic shiners are a little more available uh wouldn't count on them as of like today but you know if you can grab them grab them um but jigging a plastic is certainly available and i'm gonna do that and i think i'm gonna post some pretty big numbers on some pretty fake bait so pretty excited about that (laughs) i think anybody who was fishing last weekend and maybe had a rough go of it uh i wouldn't hang your head too far i think it was a tough draw for opener and i would i sure hope you come back this weekend because you'll i think you're going to rally big time whether or not that's leech or any any of the small ones i think this will be a a pretty great weekend of fishing and it looks like the weather's going to be about perfect uh would maybe go for a little bit more wind. Here I am making weather forecasts again. <laughs> Probably going to be 38 degrees and spitting the whole weekend now. Uh, but no, water temps are, are creeping up. Uh, I wouldn't be afraid to look a little deeper, especially on these smaller lakes, um, and kind of maybe hope that they're going to be shallow. But I bet if they're deeper, you're going to be able to see them if you're, if you're comfortable at all with your drafts. So um, make sure you spend some time looking in 15 to 25 feet of water too. Um, pay attention to uh this is the least amount of bait like right now that we're going to see in the lakes so if you're seeing bait there's a very good chance that there's going to be fish very close if not now in an hour or two on that bait pod so pay a lot of attention to that so yeah i and just a note on the spots too if you do happen to get 
get some spots, uh, maybe think about how to use them best. Cause, uh, and you're probably going to hate me saying this, but the, the spots I ended up with opener would have been better run on a rig. Um, and if, if you've got just a, just a few of them, um, I'd keep that in mind and it, you're going to burn through them pretty quick because they don't live very long on a rig, but better than getting short bit by a walleye on a three and a half inch spot tail. So, and of all lakes, are, are you proud of yourself, Dan? You think you're a big guy telling people to rig a minnow, rig a shiner minnow? I know that I beat you in the, the one-stop tournament a couple years ago doing that. Let me tell you what. I was in the biggest funk of my life. Yeah, yeah. Here come the excuses. You took advantage of me. Do you see the difference, though? Like, you, you whomped on me this week. And you know what I told our listeners? I told them that you whomped on me. And then I left it at that. I didn't say like, but I had a bum knee. I had a bum Dude, knee. Dude, I, di- I, I couldn't catch a fish to save my wife within the two weeks of that tournament. Right. I was in the worst stretch of my life. I hit the lowest of the lows. And then the last time I beat you, you know, you were just like, you were one bite away. A fish shook off. When you beat God. me, I just own it. You beat me. But when I beat you, you seem to have just a little bit of an excuse for how I how I beat you. Some of us handle failure better than others, Dan. All right. <laughs> oh man! All right. Pretty crazy. We should maybe get up. <laughs> All right. This is while I talk. Reel this again. one back in. <laughs> I'm sending us off. What's that? I'm sending us off. This is Walleye Talk. I'm Dan. I'm Will. Thank you for listening. Good luck fishing. Buy a t-shirt.